And here we are again with the season four of the Data Science at Home podcast. This time we have something for you. If you want to help us shape the data science leaders of the future, we have created the Data Science at Home's Ambassador program. Ambassadors are volunteers who are passionate about data science and want to give back to our growing community of data science professionals and enthusiasts. You will be instrumental in helping us achieve our goal of raising awareness about the critical role of data science in cutting-edge technologies. If you want to learn more about this program, visit the Ambassadors page on our website at datascienceathome.com. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of uh, Amethyx Technologies based in Belgium. It's no big news when I think that the next big thing for artificial intelligence is uh, having artificial intelligence on the edge. Uh, and uh, I have discussed already this a couple of times on this show about uh, edge computing uh, and, of course, m- very much related to, for example, the series on uh, embedded artificial intelligence or embedded machine learning, uh, in which I explained uh, some of the challenges that uh, engineers and researchers have to deal with when they decide to move some of the most widely used models in artificial intelligence on the edge, which means on minimal devices uh, or devices that cannot run indefinitely. Uh, There are a lot of constraints there. There's a battery drain. Uh, There is uh, power consumption, of course, but as well as, uh, uh, you know, very unpredictable scenarios uh, of the environment in which these devices are uh, being used. And I think that's the next big thing for artificial intelligence because, and that's a very personal opinion, I don't see a technology shift uh, in the immediate future uh, in the sense that many of the, uh, let's say, topologies or methodologies that we have designed so far are not going to you know, move the needle uh, forward uh, or at least to the next generation of artificial intelligence uh, due to some you know, technological gaps that we definitely are dealing with and so what i see the way i see the future is that this type of uh, you know this ai technology that we're dealing with and in particular in particular based on on deep learning for example uh, is going to be let's say squeezed and optimized uh, to run on uh, a very small devices or definitely devices that are much much smaller than uh, you know the machines that we can rent from the cloud or the uh, many gpus that we can purchase and run under our desk so uh, there are a lot of analogies uh, when i say agi uh, there are several sectors where agi is in fact you know kind of the common ground uh, among all of them and in particular uh, space applications and uh, of course military and defense at Hamethix, we have specialized in uh, a defense application for military and uh, in particular the engineering stack that uh, keeps uh, you know robots and uh, entities uh, in space or in uh, high critical environments in communication with each other with the highest reliability and robustness that of course is required for uh, such critical applications 
Now, when we say edge AI, uh, in fact, we are summarizing into two words, um, some sort of, you know, a, a very long list of challenges that any practitioner or any engineer has to deal with in order to maintain certain levels of, uh, you know, usability and robustness that you definitely want when you are running uh, some sort of, you know, complex model on the edge. So why does one want to run stuff on the edge? Well, the major reason is probably uh, having almost zero latency between you know, data collection and uh, inference, whatever the uh, use case or the application is doing. At the end of the day, what we want to deliver uh, from the edge is a prediction that doesn't need to be executed or calculated uh, in the backend somewhere uh, on the cloud or in a remote location, remote with respect to the device that has actually collected the data that requires inference. And so we need almost zero latency uh, and definitely a much faster insight generation. So this means that we want to have our edge device to respond to new data almost instantly. And that's something that, of course, cannot happen uh, at, with, with, let's say, classical machine learning or traditional artificial intelligence, in which usually the device, it's kind of dumb in the sense that it's just a, a vehicle to collect the data, but then the rest of the operations, and in particular inference, uh, sometimes even pre-processing of the data is performed on the, uh, in the cloud. Another important need to be fulfilled is related to optimizing bandwidth. And so in many situations, especially for critical, envir for critical environments, uh, there is a lot of optimization that you need to go through, in particular for the network, so so-called bandwidth, op uh, bandwidth optimization. So if you think of uh, military applications or even space applications, among which there is a very a lot of common ground, there is, you know, bandwidth is uh, some kind of, you know, very precious resource. And you definitely cannot consider uh, transferring data back and forth because the, the latency would be incredibly high. The reliability of the network would be extremely, extremely low. And also the bandwidth that you have at your disposal is definitely not comparable to the bandwidth that you might have on your Wi-Fi or on your uh, home office connection. And so there is, you know, if you think of, uh, for example, satellites communicating with uh, some sort of ground station or drones communicated with, again, with another ground station, just in a different, of course, scenario. But uh, in both cases, there is a lot of bandwidth optimization that you would like to, uh, to go through uh, due to the fact that in both cases, uh, there is very limited resources when it comes to bandwidth and uh, availability of the network and also uh, how stable that network segment can be. And so the reasons of, uh, you know, if you combine these two things, having almost zero latency and uh, uh, a highly optimized bandwidth when it comes to your network, well, I think that the only answer that you can have uh, in those cases are to run as much as you can on the edge. Now, of course, when you 
start moving this computation to the edge, there are a lot more challenges that all of a sudden uh, becomes become real. Uh, and for example, the fact that the edge uh, the, the edge device is uh, as a can have a limited battery life. Uh, and so you have to think of, uh, uh, for example, how would you extend the life uh, of such a device and, and its functionality uh, as much as the use case is requiring. Not only that, but you would like to uh, have some sort of fault tolerance. It's very likely that these tiny devices or edge devices are in environments where essentially anything can happen. Uh, and it's not just that the network can go down, but for example, a robot that is in a in a, some sort of swarm somewhere in a critical environment can be uh, just knocked out or can just fall into a tree or or smash against a wall as much as a you know the software that you're running on the edge on a satellite can just fail or the device itself can crash into something and again uh, fail so you know there are a lot of uh, concepts that become so real uh, when you think of moving the computation to the edge because a lot more stuff can happen there uh, that you're not used to uh, consider it happening on your laptop. I think that one of the most important requirements for when it comes to edge artificial intelligence uh, is, of course, the capability to update your uh, software and in particular update your model. Um, the model that, again, is running on the edge, but it can also be trained in a cloud infrastructure and eventually be uploaded to the edge, right? So that's kind of something that happens all the time. Uh, if you think, you know, edge devices are dynamic devices. And uh, when it comes to artificial intelligence, machine, I mean, machine learning, of course, we all know that uh, the model that you have trained today, uh, probably in a few hours or tomorrow can stop working, or you can have some sort of statistical drift in the data for which that model requires to be, you know, needs to be updated. Are you ready to advance your career in data science? University of Cincinnati Online offers nationally recognized educational programs in business analytics and information systems. Predictive Analytics today named UC as the number one master data science school in the country and is nationally recognized with a proven track record of placing students at high-profile companies such as Google, Amazon, and Procter & Gamble. University of Cincinnati Online's Master IS program offers innovative curriculum that helps students build their core competences in enterprise resource planning, business intelligence, database design and modeling, and project management. Their Master's in Business Analytics program provides students with expertise in descriptive, predictive, and prescriptive analytics using real-world data, providing a pathway to a career in data science. University of Cincinnati Online's Business Analytics and Information Systems Master's program have the most affordable tuition rates in the United States and high job placement rates post-graduation. Discover more about the University of Cincinnati's 100% online master's degree programs at online.uc.edu slash O-B-A-I-S. That's online.uc.edu slash O-B-A-I-S. Or just check the link in the show notes of this episode. When you move to the edge, you, are, uh, you have to consider the fact that that device 
must be updated and will be updated you know, sooner than later. So you have to think of strategies to replace the model, to update the model, uh, usually even while it is running uh, on a device that is uh, as uh, doesn't have unlimited battery life. Uh, and you know, that all the complications that you might think of, but one important one is that you really want to keep that, let's say, intelligence uh, up to date. And so here there are a lot of strategies that one can follow. One that we have been following pretty uh, nicely at Hematics is to, of course, retrain the models or continuously training the models uh, offline, or when I say offline, it means off the edge, and then eventually uh, send via a communication protocol uh, the differential of the parameters of the new model so that you most of the time of course depends on which model we're talking about but if you think about a neural network uh, when you retrain such a network uh, there is some sort of differential uh, that you can calculate uh, and it can happen and usually it happens that several layers of the network are untouched uh, with respect to the new update and so you just replace the layers that uh, have been affected by the retraining or a partial retraining. So in that case, you would be updating, updating the model in the most optimal way because you know not all the parameters of the network are being sent back and forth uh, from the edge to the cloud and the other way around. And another very important requirement is that when you build a platform that serves uh, edge AI or that allows edge AI uh, you know, in your infrastructure, uh, well, you have to think of... Uh, um, allowing third parties to upload their models. So unless the platform is a super proprietary platform that, you know, of course, you don't want to open to anyone, which never happens, by the way. Uh, otherwise, in all other cases, you would like to, you know, provide a mechanism for third parties to uh, interact with that platform and therefore upload the models in a safe and correct way. Uh, and of course, you want to provide, for example, SDKs, but it's not just from a software perspective, especially from a protocol perspective. If you would like to, you know, open that capability or create that capability for third party vendors or just third parties to um, uh, to update or to upload completely their models. And so there are several use cases that we have been involved with, for example, when it comes to computer vision uh, for particular scenarios in which you have to detect, for example, certain types of vehicles uh, or you have to detect some, I don't know, ships or airplanes or uh, cars uh, or even people, uh, you would be using, for example, different object detectors, and you would like to, uh, for example, switch from one detector to the other when it becomes, you know, more and more certain the fact that you are in front of, or the camera is in front of a human uh, rather than a, a car. And so you would like to, for example, swap in uh, the car detector model uh, and uh, swap out the human detector model because you know that you have in front of you a car. And now when you have a car, of course, you would like to run a much more sophisticated model, maybe and most likely provided by a third party that has specialized into uh, detecting uh, you know, all the possible features and characteristics of a car. And so you would like to use that model because you know it's a car. So kind of an hierarchical way, you say, okay, no 
given that's a car, uh, what car is it? Uh, what type of wheels does it have? Uh, what engine and what and this and that, right? So you would like to use a, a sophisticated model that, that, uh, that is in fact specifically designed for car recognition purposes. Now, this is, of course, an example, though there are main analogies with some of the use, case, use cases that we have been dealing with lately. But essentially, what I'm trying to say is that your platform, your Edge AI platform, must accommodate a way to, um, you know, um, allowing uh, third parties to upload their models in a safe way. So what happens when, uh, for example, this platform collects data? Well, of course, it depends um, in the sense that it depends on what kind of sensor uh, infrastructure or hardware do you have aboard. But most of the time, uh, one tries to standardize uh, the collected data into something that the third party models can understand. And so when you think of, for example, having on board of the um, relatively complicated edge device, uh, you would have several dozens of sensors, of course, depends on the use case, but all these sensors will have their own data formats. They, they will you know, collect the data their own way. This could also be proprietary sensors uh, that will just generate proprietary data formats, so to speak. Now, what happens when you allow a third-party vendor to uh, run or, or upload their own model? Well, these two things, and two things, I mean the collected data and the models, have to speak some sort of the same language, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be uh, loading this data. You wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be possible to make any inference on this data. And so essentially what one wants to do is usually some sort of data pre-processing. Uh, so provide the platform uh, with some sort of pre-processor that uh, provides a, let's say, standard way for all these models to look at the, all the possible data that you might have on board. Um, and so you want to kind of decouple that you know, variety of, uh, of data formats into something that the, um, the third-party models can understand. So there's this layer that essentially translates, uh, so to speak, uh, data that can come from super proprietary things <laughs> like, uh, uh, like LiDAR sensors that are you know, custom uh, for that particular application. Uh, and you would like you know, to transform or even you know, pre-process, in fact, that's the right word, pre-process this data and transform them into something that uh, all the models you know, down the pipeline will understand and, of course, can uh, provide inference of. Another thing that you would like to do is uh, definitely taking care of the results, so-called the post-processing. So once the inference is done, uh, there are several things that one can do. Um, are you interested in the decision? Well, then probably you would like to send a super stripped version of the output. No reason to send all the probabilities of the uh, you know, output classes that your model is calculated. Or if you're running several models uh, and you would like to, and you are performing some sort of majority voting uh, methodology, uh, you definitely would avoid sending all the results back to ground, uh, ground station, but you would like to compute as much as you can on the edge. So do that majority voting on the edge and send something to the ground station that can be already digested and operationalized as 
insight. Now, of course, you know, I'm giving general uh, practices here. Uh, of course, the particular use case will tell you and will suggest you what to do with these uh, results. But think about the fact that uh, your bandwidth is limited. <laughs> like uh, an old say, your time is limited. Well, in the case of AJI, your bandwidth is limited and probably also time because if you, you know, sending more data requires more battery, of course, can require more time. Um, and of course, uh, you would be increasing the latency as well. So, you know, there is a chain of events that you definitely don't want to trigger. And so you have to be very cautious of uh, how you pre-process, but also how you post-process your results. Now, of course, one episode is definitely not sufficient to summarize all the potential challenges that one might find uh, whenever one is dealing with Edge AI. I hope I did a decent job to give a brief introduction of what uh, some of these challenges can be. And of course, if you want to know more, do not hesitate to jump on the website amethics.com. There are some very interesting projects and, and also some interesting uh, positions that we are opening uh, if you are into Rust, into automotive, and of course, if you are into very critical applications for AGI and for uh, machine learning on tiny devices. In all other cases, uh, of course, do not hesitate to come visit us on our Discord channel. You will find the link on the official website, datascienceathome.com. I'll speak with you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.